Okay. Okay, good morning. Let's begin from the Mishnah on Chav Zayin Amid Beis 27b. And uh, we're, again, we're talking about people that take oaths and don't mean it. And we said, if you really, at the time where you take the oath, you don't mean it, it doesn't become binding. So we have the following cases. Nodrin laharigin lachermen ulamoksin. A person takes a, an oath to people that will, uh, uh, that will kill him, robbers that will kill him, or lachermen are plunderers, like troops that come through uh, even if you're not afraid that they'll kill you, they still uh, can do a lot of harm. Ulamoksin, or tax collectors. Uh, that's another kind of robber, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so you're allowed to lie to all of these types of robbers, and what you're telling them, these are Jewish robbers. That's what the Ron says. You'll see why, because... They're gentle robbers, and you say, this is truma, they don't care if it's truma, they'll take it. But if they're Jewish robbers, and you tell them it's truma, they won't take it. Let's see that last run. No, at least in Yisraelim, Shehorgen b'nei Adam. They follow the laws of truma, they just, don't, they just uh, ignore the rule about killing people. Uh, hard to understand exactly, but... Very yeah. So, uh, it's always been a puzzle to us how people can keep some laws and ignore others. You know, that's a... Uh, They'll kill people, but uh, truma? No, no, they wouldn't need truma. So, uh, so you swear to them, shehi truma, afapi she'enu truma, and it's not truma. Shehen shobezamelech, you swear to them that oh, this isn't your property. You're, they're just happen to be holding this as government property. Afapi she'enu shobezamelech, but it really isn't. So. Um, these kind of vows are not binding. Be'ishamri mom rebekol nodrin. And uh, the, uh, you can, uh, any, kind of, uh, any kind of vow you wish to make to them uh, would not be binding. Chutz me'bishvua. But don't use the word shvua. If you swear, that already you get yourself into trouble. And if you want to look at the top Rashi on, uh, which is actually Rebbeinu Gershon on today's page, he says, how would you make an oath? That's how you would say it. You swear that this is truma, and if it's not true, then all the fruits of the world will be forbidden to you. Let's see. How <laughs> you could all maybe also it would be, it would be forbidden with a netter. It would be harem uh, to me or something. That's a good point. Uh, why the uh, Rashi chose to give the example for the shua and not the netter. Okay. Um, so what's the reason with shua? Let's see the top rod. So. He's saying with a netter, if you say, I didn't mean it when I, I, I swore, that we let you out. If you actually said a shua to them, you can't, get, you can't uh, actually take a shua. Back to the Gemara. No, the Mishnah. Beis Hillel said, even if you use the shua, in this case, it's not binding. Another argument. Shammai said, even though there is such a concept that it's not binding, you shouldn't offer that to them. You shouldn't say to these robbers, I'll, I'm willing to swear. Ubeis Hillel says, no, you could offer it. Um, you can only swear as much as they ask you to swear. 
swear to me on your forbidden fruit. The Basil says, Afa my dear, you can even offer extra. They said, swear to us that you'll never benefit from your wife. Basically, you'll have to get divorced if you're lying. And not only would I get divorced, not only would I not let my wife benefit, I won't let my kids benefit. Whoops, you said too much. In other words, you were permitted to lie about what they demanded of you. Beishami said, your wife is permitted and your kids are forbidden because you had, they, didn't, they didn't force you to swear about your kids. Ubeisilu says, no, Eilu Eilu Mutarim. The nature of it is when the person feels pressure, he wants to uh, show that he's telling the truth, that he adds on things that he doesn't even, uh, wasn't even asked to do. So he said, not only is, uh, um, would my, my wife be forbidden, my kids would be forbidden, of course I'm telling the truth. And so Beisilu uh, says that would also be permitted. Okay. This is an interesting uh, discussion. So let's see the Gemara. So, mm-hmm. and all these, where it seems that the world is no hag to uh, not be so careful about this kind of poetry. I'm curious why all of a sudden we have a machlokas between Beisilu and Beishama. We had, we had back there. We said, yeah, that's just the way people speak trying to be motivating, trying to sort of be, so to force people to do things. So he wants to know, like we've, been, until now, the Mishnayas have been pretty much uh, um, uh, one opinion, and nobody's given that opinion a hard time. And uh, in other words, if a person's forced or they don't mean it, and now all of a sudden, Beishamai pipes up. That's, that's kind of what your question. So sometimes they wait till the end, uh, but then you have to know how to differentiate between this one and that one. I, I hear. That's a good point. So the more, though, has a different question. Uh, how can you lie to tax collectors? You're supposed to pay your taxes. That uh, he, you're supposed to follow the laws of the land. The law is the law. The law, even of the c- country you're in, is the law. So why is this a, uh, are you permitted to get away from paying your taxes? Uh, by lying, you're supposed to follow the laws. So, if they uh, keep on taxing and they're not limited, you know, where, who's going to pay for all this? Oh, I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> no, well, it's un- unlimited taxes that they, they take basically as much as you have. So, unlimited taxes, uh, that's not really a fair uh, kind of tax. So uh, such a tax um, uh, is really illegal, and so there, you're, therefore you're not bound. Let's see the Ran about, I mean, isn't, if the law is they take away everything, so shouldn't you have to keep the law? But Moka Shemo Kitzvah, let's see the Ran, seven lines up, the IRS Ran. Kivin Shekain Lav Dinahu. He says that if they take everything, that's not legal. Ela Chasmasuna. That's called Chamsanusa. That's called greed. That's just called extortion. extortion. You can't take everything. I mean, the government's got to leave you something. You know, that's, if they're taking it all and they're not leaving you a penny left, uh, then, uh, then apparently it's not, uh, not legal. That's answer number one. said, We're talking about, no, really, if the government takes it all, that's what the government does. But if they, um, they were talking about an illegal tax collector. 
they had people that would, Omed uh, Me'elav means that nobody appointed them. A freelancer, freelance tax collectors. And basically, uh, they had their own enforcement methods. Let's see uh, the Ran on the left side. They didn't get authorization from the king. He said, by the Gentile kingdoms, we say you're required to follow law. They own the country. If you don't want to follow my laws, all right, I'll kick you out. You don't want to, you live here, you pay your taxes. That's all the legal alien. You come to a country, you got to follow the rules of that country. Um, he says, Jewish kings, they are not allowed to uh, charge you taxes. We own it together. Not sure exactly what, uh, what the difference is. He wants to say, I mean, basically, Eretz Yisrael, you can't kick you out of. He's trying to say that the Gentile taxes, um, you, don't want, you don't want to pay the taxes, so don't live here. Whereas in Eretz Yisrael, they can't tell you if you don't want to pay the taxes, uh, don't live here, because you're entitled to it. So then the question, though, is, don't you, aren't you obligated for other reasons? Um, you're obligated. Talking about buying. Um, I, I have to take some time to really get into what that uh, what that's about. Uh, this this tosis. It's just it's a fascinating idea, though. That I, I wanted to do it, uh, even though I didn't fully understand it. But because of this idea that Eretz Israel is really ours, nobody can kick us out. Um, that's an important idea. Whereas. If you go, you live in a Gentile country. It's it's with the assumption that you follow the lo- the laws of the land, whereas if you don't follow, they have the right to kick you out. That's the uh, so that's the reason for dinner to Malchusadina. So you have to pay the taxes if they if uh, no matter what they how how high the taxes are, you got to pay them. Um, whereas the other um, other concept is well, who said they were authorized to charge those taxes? Okay, moving on. Shehain Shabbesamelech. And what about if you swear it's government property or it's not government property, even though it's not government? So Mora wants to know what exactly are the words that you use uh, to say that. So We're back to the Gemara, third of the way from the top. But Omer, the way you say it is like this. All the fruits of the world will be forbidden to me if it doesn't belong to the king. So the Gemara says, But... Uh, if you say, if you begin saying that all the fruits of the world should be forbidden to you, shouldn't that take effect? So the Gemara answers, Omar Hayom. You say, no, just today they should be forbidden. So the Gemara says, eat the Omar Hayom, but if you tell the tax collector they're forbidden to me today, no big deal. Uh, that's not, a, that didn't, uh, not, very compelling. not very compelling. The Gemara says, Hayom. No, you, in your heart, you said today. In other words, you got up there and you swore, let the fruits of the world be forbidden, and in your heart, you're saying only today. So but this... The word said forever. Well, right, you well, didn't... Right, correct. Right. 
So vumotzi b'svasov stam. And when you what you the word said, as Michael said, you just said forbidden. Even though usually we say what goes on in your heart doesn't make a difference, it goes by what you say. Where you're forced, it's different. So if you really meant to forbid yourself, uh, in the end you'll be in trouble. But we're saying that since in your heart you didn't mean it, you meant to say Hayom, therefore it's not binding. That's, that's the logic but why the oath uh, didn't kick in. Okay. Bishamim said... Uh, Bakol, uh, that this would apply to no matter what you swear, as long as that's part of your technique to avoid the tax collectors. Um, I'm sorry. Um, the uh, um, uh, well, basically, the Beishamai <coughs> said that you can take any nether except for, I, I'm, I just wasn't repeating the Mishnah correctly. Beishamai said you can swear anything, but you can't make a shvuah. And then Beis Hillel said uh, you can even make a shvuah. And then Beishamai said it only works for what they're asking you for. And Beis Hillel said no, even what they're not asking you for. So Beishamai, only what they're asking you for. Beis Hillel said even what they're not asking you for. So Kate said, for example, Omakonamishinahenesli. The, the tax collector said, swear that you're going to uh, not uh, divorce your wife, that she won't be able to benefit from you if you're lying. But Omar, not only do you swear about your wife, Ubana, you swear about your kids. So Beishami said, Now, uh, your wife, you were compelled to, that's not a valid oath, but your kids are forbidden. Ubeishelu said, no, they're both forbidden. Beishami said, you shouldn't author an oath. This is a different version. This is a brysa. You shouldn't offer uh, an oath. The Beis Hillel said, you can even author a shua. So the Beis Shammai, that implies you can't author, offer them an oath, but you could offer them a netter. Didn't we learn that Beis Shammai said, ideally, you shouldn't even offer to take a netter? It implied that you shouldn't offer them a shua, but but if you made uh, uh, that then you could it wouldn't be binding. But Tanan be Shamri Bakol Nadri Khutzme Shvua. So how do we con- how do we um uh how how do we connect this brisa with the words of Beishamai over here? So the Gemara answers Tanri Masnisan Binadir really the the reason that our Mishnah picked a netter Lodia Kalikta Beishamai to tell you that even Beishamai said you shouldn't offer them a shvua ideally. A netter, even a netter you shouldn't offer. Tani Brisa Bishwa, and we listed the Brisa with the Shua, but yeah, call to Base Hillel, to tell you Base Hillel that even if you made a Shua, you could get out of it. So basically the inference, uh, if you infer it that way, everything works. Ravashi gives a different answer. Again, the, the question is the wording of the Brisa together with the wording of the Mishnah. Uh, we, the, there's a Yiddish word called to make them shtim, to make them fit in with each other. And so uh, that's answer number one. Ravashi says, Shaila He said it's not that Brisa isn't talking about um, our halacha about offering the robbers a shua. He's just saying that you can't remove a shua by going to Basin. Basilo said, no, ye shaila bashua. That's a different kind of argument about whether there's a, a can you remove a shua in the same way or no. That's that's it's not actually dealing with our case according to Ravashi.
Um, let's see the Ram quickly. Four lines from the bottom. Ravashi Yom Ahok Kama Beisham Rein Shaila Beshua. Ulomi Tuk Mahak Brisa Benishmel Harik and Klau. That Brisa wasn't talking about our case. Wasn't talking about where you were swearing to the people that'll kill you. They can't, there's no Pesach Beshua. So we initially were learning that the Gemara thought that the Brisa was referring to the same case. And uh, he's saying, Rabashi said, no, it's not talking about the same case at all. Okay. Moving on. Uh, so we're done now with the. Um, uh, uh, with this uh, previous case where you were vowing to them. Yeah. I just find it interesting that in these circumstances, a person really can't think that clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're under duress, they're making um, a shmu or a neder, and they're dealing with it, they're trying to save their neck, they're trying to save their property, or their family. I even think if they went that distance, they said, okay, you're not only going to save my wife, I'm going to save my children too. I think the person is trying to demonstrate to the no good that uh, he's really serious and they got to believe him and he's willing to go even further than that. And I think that is really only to, to help save the situation. So I'm really not following the Machlokas, um, and I'm also not understanding why, you know, many times Chazal try to find a Pesach for a person and say, Shomer, uh, Hashem, you know, looks out for the fools. So there's that line many times. And they don't use that here. So I thought the Chazal would be a little more lenient on the person. Uh-huh. So uh, Richard is asking on Beis Shammai, if I'm understanding correctly. Like the, we understand Beis Hillel, that he, when he threw his kids in there, he, he wasn't doing that for fun. He's worried about being killed. So uh, why doesn't Beis Shammai accept that? Um, uh, that's a good question. So let's see. Um, does anybody here want to explain Beis Shammai? Not needed. <laughs> what? It's not needed. He's saying that uh, Rev. Avram is saying that basically you, you this leniency applies to what they're asking you, but you can't throw your two cents in. If you if you throw in anything additional, um, that's going to bind you. Right? That's that's what you're saying. That, that's what he's saying would be the logic of Beishamai. Which was which was really what my my question was because in many circumstances. If one doesn't go beyond what they're asking for, they show demonstrate that they're serious and, and you're more to believe. Right? It's very easy to say, you want me to do X? Fine, I'll do X. But they're going a step beyond that, showing that they're really serious. Yeah. He's saying that's basically... Okay. Um, I, I'm looking real quick, trying to see... See, the, one of the big things we have here is that there's four different Roshonim on the page. So sometimes you can see if somebody chooses to, to explain something with a word or two. Um, uh, let's look at the rush. Let's try to see if the rush helps us a little bit. The rush is on the right side, uh, four lines down. But my shahu madiro. Vafilu pasaklo. Even if they remove the vow, you shouldn't add. Uh, only with what they asked you. He says, the Rush says, even Beishamai would admit, if they just said, swear to me, it's only, he said, if they just said, swear, then. Beishamai would admit that you can add on even things that weren't thought of. 
They said, swear to me on this thing. So he makes it a little better. Um, that's I'm a, start a second question. Okay, yeah. Second question. Didn't we previously learn that if you make a nether and uh, part of the nether is thrown out, we say the entire nether was thrown out, we learned that in Gemara previously. Okay. So that was so, Rabbi Akiva. Nether so shahutur maksaso hutur kulo. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they, if they throw out part of the nether because they, he said swear to X and he swear to X, but he went beyond that and said why, so why isn't that whole nether thrown out because they throw out X? So why should go with X as well? That's a good point. We're throwing out what, what he said about, according to Beishamai, uh, what he said about his wife, he didn't mean because he, we throw that out. So once we throw out that half of the nether, shouldn't we throw out the other half automatically because once part of it is not admissible, so the truth is that was debatable. That not everybody agreed. That was Revi Kiva. There was a debate. The question was how, how the words worked. We'd have to get into the formula of the vow. In other words, if he swears that my kids and my wife won't benefit and that's thrown out, so then you're right. But what about if he swore like two separate oaths? I, he swears that if he's not telling the truth, his, his wife should be forbidden. And he swears if he's not telling the truth, his kids will be. He actually made two separate. Um, I could hear that had he said it totally separate, that even according to the view that you have to throw the whole thing out, that's only when... It doesn't stand alone, but if he had done it, there may be a way that he could have done it that wouldn't be as problematic. But I, I, I hear your point. It's something to look into. Right. There are some differences between that case and our case. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know whether it helps, but I think chronologically, Rabbi Akiva came uh, well after the uh, after Beishamai and Beishilo. He lived in the time of the Book of Bayashani. Mm-hmm. I think they were much earlier. So, so Mitosha Shehutra Mitsoso didn't come along until much later, or at least didn't come accepted until much later. That's an interesting thing. Uh, that's a, actually, after you say a chronicle, I know it's maybe w- that came along later, but until that time, that wasn't taught yet. Or the, it's uh, that's a, that's a very interesting idea too. In other words, when somebody comes up with an idea, is was Rebbe Akiva expressing an idea that existed, or was that something that they hadn't known, and uh, so that's why it wasn't quoted earlier. Okay, good point. Uh, we got good stuff going today. All right, new Mishnah. Uh, I guess everybody noticed that we've been finishing early, so we have moments for questions. So that's good. Yeah, Gvaldik. Harinatius Ela Corbin im enu nixasus. This is a different uh, case. Um, 
we're going to see that there's a, uh, a storm brewing. And he's about to lose his crop. And, or there's a fire nearby. And what he wants to do is he wants to donate it if it survives. So he says these saplings will be donated to the base. They'll be a Corbin if they don't fall down. Or talus zu Corbin, or these garments should be a Corbin if it doesn't burn. So, yesh lehem pigeon. He, he could redeem them. Uh, they're, they're, they're consecrated. They could be redeemed. But if he said, if he said that these trees are a korban until they're cut, or until it's burned, ain't lem pigeon. He has no way to redeem them um, until it's cut or until it's, uh, until it's burned. Uh, basically, we'll have to see. Let's see in the Gemara exactly how, what the wording is for this case. Felisni Kedushas. So we're just confused. Why don't we just say he's makdashit? Ve'en uh, uh, it's hegdish or it's not hegdish. So the Gemara answers, I did avoid the misty safe, ain't lem pigeon. Since we, we want to know, um, can you buy it back from hegdish? We want to stick to the same language. But the Gemara wants to know, hey, what exactly is the vow in this case? So Omar Amemar, Amemar said the following, but Omar he said, if for some, if the wind doesn't knock them down, and the day passes and they aren't cut, so then they'll be hegdish. So, so then it's pretty clear then, why is this a question? There's like a big wind. Um, there's this big wind uh, coming, and uh, he, they're expecting it to, uh, to blow, up, blow everything over. And I guess the question is, maybe he doesn't really mean it. He's just expecting it to... Uh, but what, what does a wind have to do with the talus? Uh, the talus was reifikaima. Why would clothing burn? So Morris said, no, keep going to Ika Deleka. You got a big fire going on. Hachanami de Ika Zika Nefisha. You got this big wind or this big fire. And you would have thought Maybe he only meant to give it away if it didn't survive. <laughs> In other words, right, so he, he's saying that, you know, let it all go to Hegdish because he's assuming it won't survive and then it survives. The question is, does he mean it? Do we hold him to it? That uh, if he says he's given it to charity, it's, it belongs to charity. It belongs to Hegdish. Let's see the... Uh, let's um, let's do a... It's the same way as like, you know, this car is worthless. You might as well donate it to charity. It's the same thing in there. Yeah, it, it's very similar. Um, that, yeah, it'd be, it would be like that. Um, right, so... Yeah. We could also say that uh, you know, if the guy is uh, pretty certain that he's going to lose his clothing or lose the tree, um, and he makes that nether, he's basically resigned to the fact that he's going to lose it one way or the other. Either, either it's yeah. going to become hectic or it's going to be destroyed. So can you say that this really was a kind of vow that was really intended or not? That, that he's trying to get through the difficult situation and... Maybe since he's like praying to Hashem, please save me, please save me, please save me. And you know, like, 
the Havdil people made it through the Holocaust. Please save me and I'll do X, Y, Z. And people did. So that could be like his way, his tefillah, to get through this situation. But if he thinks that the tree's going to be burnt anyway, or mm-hmm. knocked down anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's basically okay. You know, let it be, let it be hectish. But is, is that, when he says, let it be hegdish, does he really mean it? Or he's just basically saying, these are gone. That, that's right. the Havamina. Like, uh, does he, is he really thinking that these will survive? And so is it a real, is there any way that he really means it, is the question. Yeah. So that, that's the way they learn. Um, the, uh, um, I was just looking at the... Uh, uh, let's let's take a look. There's a uh, well. Let's do the the Rabbeinu Gershon, the first wide line at the bottom. There's a strong wind. It's really a strong wind is blowing like a tornado wind. Uh, and he's thinking that the wind is going to knock everything down. Everything's going to be fall is going to be broken. You would have thought maybe he really doesn't mean to donate it. He's thinking, of course, everything's everything's lost. Maybe he didn't. He wasn't serious when he says, "I'm going to donate this all." If anything, if anything overcomes the storm, I'm giving it all away. So maybe people just make promises that they don't mean at that moment. The Kahulan dummy, and it's totally not holy. Kamashmon the Khalkadusha Lahekdish Gummer Miskavin. But no, he really does mean it. Even though it's far fetched. Uh, if somehow this survives the storm, I'm giving it away. So uh, that's really the question. You might have thought that he doesn't really mean it. Um, sometimes when somebody does survive, Afterwards, they, they immediately change their mind and they don't follow through. So maybe they don't really mean it. So we're trying to say that, no, it does become, uh, he, it does become holy like that. It, it's not a, uh, um, that's what he wants to say. It's, it sounds like he's already uh, resigned to the idea that it's a total loss and he wants Hector to clean up the mess. You know, like, <laughs> right off. like a tax write-off, he gets a, he gets a write-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all, all understand that, right? He wants a tax write-off, you know, it's like, come pick up the car, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it, it's gone anyway, so, okay. So, Hardetilis Elu Corbin. So, we said that these, uh, they're holy, Ula Olam. Now, what does it mean like they, uh, normally you can redeem something, and normally that's what's done. Hectish doesn't need broken trees, right? They don't, need, or they don't need trees attached to the ground. You just have to pay them for the value. So what does it mean they're always, does uh, it always? So, Amar Barpada, Pona Chosva Kedushas. Basically, you said, as long as they're standing, even if you redeem them, they, they go back and be holy. Pona Chosva Kedushas, Achi Kotsusu. Until they're cut. Once they're cut, potem pamachas v'dayo. Since the word he used was uh, the, uh, they're holy, and as, as long as they remain standing, they're holy. So even if you redeem them, the problem with his words are that they, uh, he's gonna re- if he redeems them too soon, they're going to become re-holy. He said these should be holy as long as they're still standing. So even if he buys them back, they're, they're going to go back holy again. Whereas Ulus says, no, Kivin Shinixu Shuv ain't pigeon. He says, once you cut them, uh, he says, you don't have to redeem them. He's saying that basically you said, as long as they're standing, they belong to Hegdish. And once they're cut, um, 
they actually would not belong to Hegdish anymore. So Omer Le'em Nuna, Kedusha Shevelaheikon Hocha. What do you mean? It, if they were holy today, so where would it go? That's, that's the question we're going to deal with tomorrow, uh, which uh, we'll have to explain this, this argument. Uh, but again, it's a new kind of vow. It's a vow done under pressure. And it's a question what was really meant and what is binding.